Welcome to Ebtide Wellness, where you learn mindfulness-based techniques to help you meet the flow of your life. Here, we authentically explore what is going on within us to best meet what is happening around us. There's no stopping life, but we can meet it no matter what the tide. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Rupp, inviting you to be Ebtide Well. Hello and welcome back to Uptide Wellness, the podcast. If you listen to this regularly, you know there's been a little bit of a break. <laughs> Why? Because I think like many of you, October knocked me out. You know, and it wasn't, I was lucky enough, it's not like something huge happened to me. It was just more sort of an internal shitstorm of responding to all the world events, personally, globally, professionally, emotionally, you know, it just internally, I felt like a lot was being brought up for me, as I know a lot for you guys with the eclipses and the astrology was just brutal. So really, November for me has been licking my wounds, integrating and just moving forward after all the lessons I learned in October. But I didn't really feel like in October I was in a super great place to share lessons that I was still going through. But while I can't say I'm totally, you know, wise and through (laughs) the difficulties of internal transformation and change, I can say that I am out of the sort of the dark place that I landed, as we all do at times. And I have some things that I'd like to share with you about how mindfulness helped me meet challenging times because we are all in challenging times. We have been for quite some time. I know many people whose just lives, I mean, I watch just the unexpected deaths. I had like three friends in one week whose unexpectedly their fathers passed. Um, Relationship challenges, children getting sick, uh, you know, just things that you're like, no, that's that's not something that we want to happen to people we love and care about in life. And it just seems to be happening a lot. Um, So, and of course the global, hey, let's have another war start in the world. Um, Anyway, so times, they are a challenge. (laughs) And, you know, we all need to find our tools, our skill set, our ways to meet them because they're, they're happening. So from my experience in October and how I've integrated and moved through that, I'd like to share with you what I've named my top five ways to work with challenging times. And number one, focus on you, not the external source that you perceive to be of the challenge. Number two, observe the positive and negative aspects of yourself that come out during this challenge. Number three, extend compassion to yourself in every possible form. Number four, your highest priority is meeting your unmet needs. And number five, hold on to your deepest hope and faith so you can keep the light shining. So I'm going to go through each of those now in more detail. The first one, keep the focus on you, not the source of the challenge. So as you know, if you practice mindfulness and meditation, We don't try to put our efforts and energy into what's happening outside of us. Oh, they should be this way. I need to fix this. But we realize that all the work, all our reality, all this being is from within. So when we are experiencing what we consider to be externally triggered or externally 
um, contextualized challenge, we're not saying that the challenges aren't real and out there and happening. We're saying, but our energy needs to go inward because our response to the challenge is where the suffering comes from and how we are reacting to and responding to the challenges reflects what's going on within us. And that's where the insight, the growth can all happen, which is ultimately what we can best hope for getting out of challenging times. So I'll share a quote by Matthew Ricard who says, the basic root of happiness lies in our minds. Outer circumstances are nothing more than adverse or favorable. And that's sort of the equanimity we work for, right? Of saying, yes, that is pleasant or that is unpleasant without getting all wrapped up into how much it hurts us and how it needs to be differently and how much it's terrible and how much it sucks. You know, all those things might be true for you, but ultimately circumstances are just circumstances. Some make more ease in our life. Some make things more difficult. And that's fine, really. Um, but when we are challenged and we're upset by challenge, it's because something within us is triggered by that outer circumstance. And so rather than externalizing all of our energy to that outer circumstance, which most likely we can't change, which is in part why it's so challenging to us, our work goes to seeing, well, what is it within us that was vulnerable, available, ripe for the triggering by this outer circumstance? Because if we're all cool inside, if we've got everything sorted and our inner world is spacious and peaceful and happy and non-judgmental and accepting, then that doesn't change by outer circumstances. No matter how adverse or favorable, we can observe them and say, oh, that's adverse or favorable, pleasant, unpleasant, but our internal world doesn't shift. Um, which is really the goal, right? Yeah, someday. <laughs> but then the opportunity here is, if that's not true for you, like it's not true for me, when we notice outer circumstances are activating a change in our internal world, we say, okay, all right, so where then do I have some room to see what's not stable or healed or um, kind of okay within me? And so we're not blaming the situation. We can, again, label it as, not favorable or adverse, um, but instead we turn our awareness to our response, our reactions, and we bring a curiosity. Like, oh, okay, so this happens, this challenge, say, um, um, <laughs> you know, hypothetically, hearing about a new war in the world, um, that's not a great thing, right? But your response may have been fear, your response may have been anger. Your response may have been grief. Your response may have been, um, you know, hopelessness on the state of the world. And that's coming from you. And not to say those aren't reasonable responses to that, but when you can investigate what's coming out for you, then we have some awareness of where um, our biases are, where our energy goes, and how we can find ourselves in a more serving place. And that heals us, that shows growth. So the challenge ultimately shows us triggers. And when we can sit back and watch how we respond to a trigger, there's a chance to heal whatever that ouch point is. And doing that work then makes us able to be more helpful during adversity. So if there's an external circumstance that is really adverse, let's say, 
Well, rather than stewing in your own stuff, your own unhealed stuff, wouldn't it be better if you came from a place of strength and resilience and internal um, peacefulness and fortitude so then you can have an impact on making that adverse circumstance better, decreasing suffering. But we can't do that. We can't really turn our efforts successfully to outer circumstances if our inner circumstances are messy and unnoticed and unmanaged. Um, so we look inward first. We say, okay, this is happening. This is a like a weather pattern. And the interesting part is not that the weather pattern is something making life easier or harder for most people, but what's coming up, what it's bringing up within you that you can see about yourself and the stuff that it's bringing up within you is ultimately probably where the challenge is most difficult for you. So let's do our first inquiry today. And I'm just going to ask you, where have you been focusing on the external outer circumstances or the triggers really, and not on your response on how you feel about what's coming up from within you? And if you've been focusing on the externality of, oh, this happened or that happened or they happened or it did that. What if you, instead of that, asked yourself, how, does, how do I feel in this circumstance? What are my thoughts? What do I want to do about it? What's my in- go-to behavior? How do I feel? And it's just to bring awareness because that's where we have serenity. That's where we have growth. And again, that's where we can become more capable in terms of mitigating the impact of adverse events and in terms of fostering favorable events. So if something you really, really want to happen in the world, well, that needs to happen from within you and in your own life first, in a sense. So you gotta, you got to clean your own house before you can have impact on the houses around you. Okay, so... If you don't focus on the external and you're going to focus on the internal, well, that brings us to number two. We have to observe the positive and the negative aspects of ourselves that come out during challenging circumstances. And boy, (laughs) boy, do they. I tell you what, if I could just sit on a mountaintop and meditate in a cave by myself, I would have a lot of peace. I would feel very zen. And in fact, my life is kept very peaceful and quiet for that reason, so I could feel at peace and very zen. But it's when you get out of your little bubble, when circumstances are not in your control, when you have other people around, other needs around, then you really see where you don't have yourself in a responsive set, but you're reactive. You still have... um, very human, human reactions. These aren't problems. These are places of growth. No one, I mean, very few people um, just are born into this world and then they're like, cool, I'm done. I don't have any growth for the rest of my life. I'm just going to kind of be this, 
totally wise, perfect creature that came into the world fully. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess babies come in perfect in a sense. But <laughs> then something screws us up and we've got a lot of work to do. And so the work isn't a problem. I always remind myself that like having work to do on myself isn't a failure. It's a process. It's why we're here. If you're like me, you believe we came onto this earth from wherever we came from to get the joy of earth school. And the masochists we were from wherever we came from were like, ooh, let's make it hard in this way. Ooh, yes. So whatever challenges you're feeling, whatever emotions it's bringing up, this is a good thing. You don't heal if you don't see it. That's one of the insidious things about cancer is most of the time it kind of grows within you. You don't see it and then you can't fix it. But if you just let stuff out, you let stuff be seen, you bring it into the light, then it can heal. It can be addressed. So if we don't see it, we can't work with it. And having something not perfect about you doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Witnessing the imperfection is exactly doing it right. So we have to observe the positive and the negative aspects of ourselves that come out. Challenging, adverse situations. Oh my gosh, do they bring out not our greatest side? They all, I, I won't even say that. They bring out our best and our worst. Sometimes adverse events really show us where we are strong, where we're resilient, where we've got this internal, internal light that's going to keep shining. Like I love to do um, hikes in the woods that have some stupid parts to them, like where you have to like go over um, – like a log across a stream and if you fall like you're gonna like break your leg and like you got to climb up a certain ridge and you're not sure if you can climb it up and so I like to challenge myself because it shows me something within me that is deeper than I knew some strength some resilience some adventure some like let's do this and if you just thought about the circumstance or were told about beforehand you'd be like "Uh uh-uh but if you're in it you see what comes out. You see how you rise to the occasion. People report all the time of, I didn't think I could do that. But like when I saw the car coming for the kid, I had enough speed. I had enough courage. And I just th- you know, threw myself into that kid and got him out of the way of the car. We have something within us that comes out during challenge and adverse circumstances. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That shows all the goodness within us. That shows all the healing we've done. That shows our capability in meeting challenge. And we need to see this positive. So when you're meeting challenge, instead of just being like, wow, I'm really buckling, I'm really stressed, I'm really sad, whatever you're, you know, you're noticing about yourself, you can also say, but I'm also doing better than I probably would have maybe three years ago. Or you can say, but I also still managed to find time to walk you know, my neighbor's dog, because they were sick. And I'm still finding kindness for others. I'm still getting outside of myself. Whatever it is, notice the positive ways in which you are meeting adverse circumstances and continue to foster that because that keeps you going, that keeps you remembering who you are and that you're more than the circumstance. And why, you know, you've seen people... (laughs) You know, you see people sometimes in adverse circumstances just throwing themselves into helping others, which is cool in a sense, but then you've got to acknowledge like where your own stuff is coming up. So if you're completely distracting yourself by just only letting yourself be a positive version, well, you're probably going to have an unexpected release of breakdown, really, 
of the negative aspects of yourself that also need to come out because we are our, our, our places of vulnerability you can think of it that way our places of strain will come out during challenge so you can think about it um, like a guitar string or just a string. I don't think it has to be a guitar string in particular. <laughs> a string. And strings are generally loose. And if you pull a string or a guitar string that's loose, it has got room to be pulled and it, it's fine. If you're pulling a string super taut and then something else comes back and hits it, it'll break. It won't bounce back. And so when challenging circumstances make us feel pulled tight, it doesn't take much for us to feel we've just reached our capacity. So a small thing that you would not have cared about brings out some something within you that's deeper, darker, more overreactive, and you just got to see your shadow. You just got to see what's still within you that needs some, some light. So it's like um, it's like a, a zit, right? <laughs> you know, on the surface, there's like this little bump, maybe a red bump, but it's like you pop it or you apply a challenge to it and then you see all the like gunk that comes out. And maybe a better example that's more palatable is like a volcano. On the earth, you don't really see it. All things are fine, but then maybe there's some rumblings, like Iceland right now, it's kind of exciting. There's a million different earthquakes. Um, and there's some rumblings and there's something beneath. <laughs> it's something beneath. And when the pressure gets enough, it's going to blow. And you get to see what's been beneath the surface all along, the toxic gases, the heat. And this is how the earth relieves itself of buildup of stuff it doesn't want to hold anymore. And the release, letting it go, bringing it into the light is how we grow and work through it. But it's not super fun, and most of us want to turn away from it. So as you're meeting triggers and challenges, notice your shadows, your stuff's coming up that you're like, ah, oh, I thought I was good with that. Like for me, during challenging times, I find myself being so reactive to little things, mostly people. <laughs> I just cannot stand to be around people. Like, I mean, people, not my, not my people, but like people masses. And I find myself just like saying things that I'm like, oh, no. Um, a strong reactivity to my space being not perfectly open to, you know, I all I want to do in life is run through the woods with my dogs off leash. And so when I'm tense and strained and that's not allowed as it's not in most places, <laughs> I get really pissed off about it, which is not fair. Like public spaces, I should obey the rules. But um, I get very reactive about needing to be in a public society when I'm strained. And so um, I'm not super nice. And I noticed that in October, um, being reactive and just even reactive to people I do love, just not having the capacity to hold patience, perspective, kindness, because I was not letting myself um, meet my own needs, which we'll get to during adverse circumstances. So when we try to hold ourselves too tight to say, yeah, these circumstances are difficult, but I'm fine. I'm going to be exactly the same as I usually am when I'm, when I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, let anyone know what's going on. I'm just going to like, it's cool. Things are terrible around me, probably bubbling up toxicity within me in response, but I'm not going to crack. 
well, then you crack in ways that, you know, you probably aren't super proud of, like me with reactivity, because that's the release of, of coming through, coming out. It has to. And so whatever your shadow part is, maybe you get super people-pleasing because you just can't handle any more friction. So, okay, sure, you'll people-please until one day you realize all your needs have not been met. Or maybe you run away. Or maybe you um, get super busy. You, like, just get a to-do list like crazy so you don't have to see your shadow come out or acknowledge um, what's being opened up for you. The, the gunk that's coming out and the cracks that are brought by challenge. And so Ray Smith says, never be afraid to fall apart because it is an opportunity to rebuild yourself the way you wish you had been all along. And so this is what I've been working with is, okay, so I have seen things that I'm not really happy about, about how I respond to challenge. So I'm going to rebuild myself, do the work, so it's no longer a thing. You know, not because I'm broken or fragile or imperfect, but because that's what our work is, is we always have the, the chance as we move on, as we fall apart, as we build, to keep evolving, to keep growing. But we can't if we don't see. We can't if we don't honestly hold ourselves in compassionate witness of saying, ooh, I see what you're doing there, and I don't think that's the best thing for us. Let's do better. And you don't have to be better, you don't have to be different, but let's do better. That's what I keep telling myself is, you know, I can do better. Why not? And then when you are doing really well, notice that, hold that and be like, yeah, I'm kicking, I'm kicking some ass during challenge. You know what? I might be suffering. I might have my shadows coming up. But in this minute, I just did that thing really well. I just, you know, held space. Like I'll honor myself and be like, I was just really patient <laughs> with all the people around me. And you also have to be really honest. Like you don't change in a day. So I was struggling to be a kind citizen in a social world. So I went to the woods for two weeks. I just wanted to be by myself with my dogs. That's what my nervous system needed. That's what I needed. You don't force yourself to be in situations you can't handle. You're not ready for. I needed to totally bring my own energy back, do my own healing, be by myself, and then do the next baby step of, and now we're around people. And now we reenter society. <laughs> Can we still keep this going? I went off all social media, realizing that the energy exchange of social media takes you out of control. And if you're short and if circumstances are adverse and you're tight, well, then you can be easily triggered. I was. And I was like, I don't need to be on the, the landmines of social media where I'm giving or receiving energy unintentionally. I'd rather honor the relationships of my real life and the energy that's true and now. So what do you need to do to kind of pace yourself? You witness where you're comfortable excelling, meeting the challenge as well, and you hold that as your anchor. You witness where the challenges are bringing up parts of you that still are vulnerable, still are not as fortified, and you support the working through of that process of, of building that up. So during this challenging fall, I don't know, maybe it's not been challenging for you, but for me and everyone I know, it's been like 2020 vibes again. I'm assuming because you're listening to this, it's been like that for you. <laughs> so 
hopefully this inquiry applies. But assuming that you've had some challenge of recent, you know, what negative aspects of yourself have come up? What has been pushed through the surface of your shadows that you're like, oh, that's me? Whoops. And notice if you judge it, if you push it away, but let's just name it and say, okay. And name it in a way that's not you. So versus saying, I am an XYZ type of person, you say, this is present in me during challenge. This comes out of me. And noticing the negative aspects, so the shadow side, we all have it. Well, positive, where have you been rising to the challenge? Where have you been like getting the kitty cats out of the tree? You know, whatever it is you're doing, you're being a hero in some way to somebody somehow. What's within you that you've seen rise to the challenge? Okay, now we're moving on to point number three. Extend compassion to yourself in every form. So this work, it's like one thing to be <laughs> in an adverse circumstance, shall we say. You know, the outer circumstances, difficult, challenging. It's like being in traffic. That's one thing on its own. It's adverse. But then the stuff that you notice coming out in response from within you to it, the toxicity, the pain, the... Um, the outdated scripts, um, the fight-flight modes, all these things that as humans, they just come up when we're challenged. Oh my gosh, that's, that's even worse than the adversity of the traffic. Isn't the road rage, isn't being mad at the car in front of you worse than the traffic itself? For me, it is. And especially when you have to really be honest, like we talked about, of seeing that aside of you. I mean, if you're just going to ignore anything, you know, non-perfect about yourself, life's a lot easier and inauthentic. But if you're actually going to open up your eyes and your heart and say, oh, goodness, I see the pain coming out of me this way. I see the anger. I see the um, pushing people away or the defensiveness, whatever it is for you. And it's being revealed. It probably isn't the most fun thing for you to see. You'd probably be watching, like, I'd rather watch the Barbie movie than my own internal toxicity, right? The Barbie movie is so fun. My own internal toxicity is, wow, just so icky. Um, but so important because if you don't see it, it doesn't move through. I don't want to carry it. I don't want to hold the toxic sludge in me because I'm not brave enough to open up the crack and let it into the light. It's not something I'm proud of. It's not like I'm like, yay, like parading around. I guess I guess I'm talking about a podcast about it, but that's, that's for the sake of helping others. Um, so, but be compassionate. It hurts. It sucks. You want to be perfect. You want to be all light, especially if you're doing this work, but you got some gunk inside of you. When you're truly honest about it, there are some parts of you that aren't super evolved, and that's what comes out during challenge. The primitive fight, flight, flee survival mechanisms. That's what's coming out. And that's our ugliest bit because it is the most primitive. It's not been met with consciousness. It was, you know, conditioned during some sort of trauma of your life. And by trauma, I just mean a circumstance that was beyond your capacity to meet it with the tools you had at that time. So it wasn't a 
mindful, shall we say, response to an overwhelming circumstance. And that's ingrained in us in many ways to many things because we haven't always had the skill sets or tools or capacity to meet life. And so when we are in another situation where life is very large and at times overwhelming, it's very likely those primitive, not evolved, unconscious responses and coping mechanisms are what come out because it's what wired. And it's going to stay there. It's going to keep being wired until you see it and say, oh, I see you. And it's okay. I get why you why you're acting this way, but let's hold space and acceptance and stay. It's I'm still okay, even though this behavior is not okay. And I'll hold with compassion and say, I see where you came from and we're going to do better because we are better. And so acceptance of, you know, your toxic behavior, your unhealthy um, coping mechanisms. It's not saying I accept this. So I'm always going to act like this. Well, that's not doing you a service. You're saying I accept myself as worthy, as wonderful, as a growing light as a a human who's doing their best and I can do better and I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to work because I am worthy, because I am wonderful, because I am capable of doing the work. I'm going to work on this, but I'll accept where I am right now. And I'm going to take away the shame. I'm going to take away the denial. I'm going to take away the defensiveness. So I don't know if um, if any of you guys watch Selling Sunset. I do. It's a really great show. Um, I have some opinions about who the better characters are than others. Personally, I think Amanza is amazing. Anyway, if you don't watch the show, it doesn't matter. There's two women on the show. As you can imagine, they got in a fight because that's what you do on the shows. And they're both under a lot of strain. And one woman is named Amanza. The other is named Chriselle. And Chriselle was very reactive this season and um, kind of flew off the handle or had an overreaction to Amanza about something Amanza did. And so on the reunion, they were trying to make up and Amanza, who again is my favorite because she's really cool and very grounded, Chriselle kind of said, who overreacted, said to her, um, you know, I'm really sorry I overreacted. You know, I'm working on it. Like, you know, I have a problem with reactivity. You know, I'm working on it. And Amanda's response was, how can I be mad at you for something you're working on? And I just thought that was so beautiful. And I wish we all like treated not just each other that way, but ourselves. Like, how can I judge you? How can I shame you? How can I think you're imperfect when you're working on it? Like when you're not claiming to say, no, I'm perfect, I'm good. But like love, let's love ourselves. Let's love each other in the process. Because perfection is not required for loving each other or ourselves. And I think sometimes of how forgiving we are of those we love. I mean, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're total assholes to those we love. But for the most part, we give people and pets passes in ways that we would never get ourselves. Like um, my dogs, you know, one eats poop, one rolls on poop. They get a pass. <laughs> I love them. Um, I'm thinking of like some good friends I have and, you know, they're not perfect. Certainly I'm not. And being honest and authentic about where we're working on ourselves is how we have true friendship. So we notice and we have compassion for ourselves. Like, ouch, that hurts. I see where that came from. I'm going to 
understand and love that part of me that needed that mechanism, that coping before, that shadow, but I'm going to see myself as deserving more now and work on it. And the working on it, when I say that, it's really our thought patterns. So we make some thought patterns become unwelcome. So for me, what was coming up a lot with all the eclipse in October, you know, energy um, was just a lot of sort of low self-worth, self-doubt. And I noticed thoughts that I was having about myself that weren't supportive. And I came to the point of just no more. These stop now. I don't, these just aren't thoughts that, that happen anymore. No more. And then you can foster other thoughts, foster other beliefs, give yourself um, the reminders about an alternative way of considering your situation and yourself. So Lisa M. Hayes says, be careful how you are talking to yourself because you are listening. So that voice within you, make it one that's your cheerleader, your best friend, um, the one that thinks you can do no wrong, even when you do wrong, that says, it's okay. I know. We'll do better next time. We're working on it. Okay, so self-inquiry here. If you're going to hold yourself in compassion, what self-judging particularly thoughts are just no longer allowed? What's off the table to be on the airwaves in your head. And what positive ones, what alternative perspectives that are true can you foster and encourage and get strength from? Okay, and when we... We don't just like do see our shadows as we've talked about in other episodes and like go into the ick about our deeper stuff, you know, for the hell of it. Like it gives us the opportunity to go even deeper than to say, okay, beneath that shadow, beneath that um, behavior, reactivity, defensiveness, anger, fear, sadness, there's something beneath that is where the real root is that I can heal. So your highest priority during challenging times, this is number four, is meeting your unmet needs. There's a great quote by Marshall Rosenberg. He says, every criticism, judgment, diagnosis, an expression of anger is the tragic expression of an unmet need. Often we react to situations and people that push our buttons instead of recognizing that our emotions are simply a guide to uncovering the unmet needs inside. Instead of looking outwards and blame and judgment, self-awareness helps us see our role in each interaction. So when you see yourself behaving in a way, when you have feelings that, that are um, shadowy, they're not wrong. Anger's not wrong. Sadness is certainly not wrong. But what you do with those are important. They're messengers, but then they're showing you something beneath. You don't sit at that level or else you never get anywhere. And so as I told you, I, I fled to the woods in October because I was seeing my unmet need was just some time to myself 
to fully draw my energy home, to be in nature, which is the most important medicine for me in the entire world, and to give myself that, that to meet the need I had of just some peace and quiet and being in nature and hiking and having no obligations besides where should I hike today with my dogs. And the need was just in feeling too much um, lack of mm, me, lack of knowing who I was, lack of confidence, lack of center, lack of path. And so when I get off path, when I forget who I am, I go to the woods and find the path again. That was the need I had. And then it allowed me to come back and not rest in the feelings of the pushed in my button place, but a place that was more grounded and centered and kinder to all. So whatever difficult aspects you've noticed are coming out for you during challenge, they're interesting and curious and need note, but then you go, okay, what do they show me that there's a need for? And so our unmet needs are likely not new, but likely come from some unmet need that's very long ago and deeply ingrained. Maybe you didn't get the kind of love you wanted. Maybe you felt like your needs weren't heard. Uh, maybe you always felt unsafe or unstable as a kid. You know, there's, and this isn't like family blame time. It's just, you know, the way we grew up, there's always going to be some need that's unmet. <laughs> and so we then have the opportunity to heal that as our conscious, sovereign adult selves and meet it ourselves. This is the magic and the work happen of maybe I've never had that need met. So maybe you can now though, but you can't if you don't meet it. So maybe you need the permission to have boundaries. Maybe you need to give yourself the opportunity to say no to people around you. Maybe you need those chance just to feel safe. So like me, you go to the woods and no one's around and you can just build your own little bubble to regroup yourself. What's your unmet need? If you're feeling like you don't have the love and the nurturing that you need, well, give that to yourself. Take care of yourself. Cook yourself a beautiful dinner. Like my, um, I'm single, right? And, but I cook wonderful meals for myself most nights. And my sister came over the night and she like came over when I was during dinner. I had like really like, I think I was like salmon and green beans and like some little baby potatoes and a nice little glass of wine. And my sister was like, you do that for yourself? Like, yeah, who else better deserves a great meal cooked for them than I do by myself, you know? Take care of yourself. Love yourself. Whatever you're not getting met, meet yourself. But you can't meet it unless you know what's asking for attention. So we're going layer by layer down here. First, we see the behavior that's challenged and triggered in an adverse circumstance. And then we see the, you know, the emotions, the difficult pain or toxicity beneath that. And then we say, okay, where's that coming from? You know, it's, it's the classic story of the lion with the thorn in its paw that's, you know, growling and going to eat the mouse. And the mouse just takes the thorn out of its paw. And it's like, oh, thanks. I was just being kind of a jerk because I was in a lot of pain. Whenever we're jerks, it's because we're in pain. We've got an unmet need. <laughs> we've got a judgment. So we're lashing out in whatever form that we've chosen as our form. So what's your need? If you really said, oh, I just need this. And I always, it's interesting. I find myself, I'll say it over and again, over and again. Like if you look at your crazy person solo talk, that's usually what your unmet need is. Like when you're getting angry or triggered, 
Like for me, I'll be like, oh, I just need some fucking space. And I'll say that over again. I'm like, oh, angry reactive me actually was saying what my unmet need was. Like, I just need some space. <laughs> like, um, So notice what you might be fantasizing about when you're super stressed or repeating to yourself like, oh, if only this would happen or they would happen. Well, that's showing you um, where there's a need that you can meet. I also just realized, you know, I was really tired after my hiking bonanza. Like, I got home and I was like, oh, I'm still kind of reactive. I was like, yeah, because I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> so I <laughs> uh, gave myself time to rest. What's your need? You need to rest. You need to, like, put the – take those two days of sick leave from your office that week and just sleep. Can you give yourself permission? Are you allowed to not be doing? Are you allowed to not be productive? Are you allowed – to give yourself what you need. So here's your inquiry. What is your most basic need that is showing up for you through your responses to adverse circumstances? What need is asking for attention? And then meet that. Maybe you just go get a piece of chocolate cake because it shows you that you can get joy and pleasure for no reason because life is to be lived. Maybe you just go for a drive by yourself, leave the kids with your partner or anyone. Me, leave your kids with me so you can go do that and give yourself the opportunity to wander without agenda. What do you need? It doesn't have to be a big deal. One hike for me, can solve all my problems, <laughs> you know, whatever you need. And when we don't have our need met, needs met, when we're getting reactive or defensive or angry or sad or hopeless or helpless, blah, 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 whatever it is for you, it's easy to get hopeless. It's easy to say you'll always be this way and just to kind of get knocked down. Like I just felt like in October I was like getting knocked down and then knocked down and then knocked down. And then I get up and get down, down, which is fine. Like, that's life. And I've got Saturn in my chart very heavily, so I'm, like, used to it. <laughs> but um, sometimes it's harder than other times to say, but I'm getting back up again. And that's when it's important we have some very deep source of belief and value that we can always turn to. I can't say what that is for you but you need to have it. That needs to be part of your humanness on this world is to find a practice, a community, a connection, a book, a mantra, a belief system that during your darkest hour comes back to you and says, okay, this is why you're going to get back up and keep going. And so we don't like sugarcoat what's going on. We don't get up before, you know, we're, we're still looking at our wounds. Let yourself go down for a day. Let yourself go down for a week. Wait. Let yourself be knocked down. And don't say it's not difficult. Don't sugarcoat it. It sucks. It's hard. Life sucks sometimes, right? Denial, though, isn't what we do. But being honest about difficulty is very different than just lying down in it forever and not having something within you, a little spark, the faintest spark that says, yeah, but there's still a reason to get back up. And maybe that's like your kid that you want to see grow up. Maybe 
it's just a belief. Like for me, it's just a belief in life that life is inherently good and worthwhile living. And like, I want to see the next sunset and I want to get up and I want to go find out what's next. And I believe it always has a purpose and a growth opportunity and a path and that nothing happens without a greater connection to something beyond me. And it's never wrong. So even though I don't like it sometimes, even though I want to lie down and wallow in the unfairness of it sometimes, I believe I am a thread in the blanket that we are all woven together. And my thread and what happens to me is hugely important in the great tapestry. And the more times I get up, the greater I let my light shine, the more I foster all the sparks within me, the more beautiful that tapestry is for everyone. So lie down, sit in the dark, do whatever you need to do when challenging circumstances just need you to take that break, but you must get back up. And so what is it for you that is the light that guides you home? Again, find spiritual beliefs, find values, find your priorities, find your people, find the thing you care about, find the thing you're fighting for, find the thing you say, yeah, but that's beautiful, but that's good. Find your perspective. There are some friends that I walk with and it just always changes my perspective. When you get someone else who you really value telling you what's true for them or how they see things. There's this one friend I will run into every time I'm having like a down day without fail, without planning it, I will run into her on a walk. It's like she appears and she's this magical woman with like those sparkling eyes that you know hold secrets of like the way life is. And it's always just always pulls me out of it because she's got a belief system similar to mine and speaks it. And when I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's right. So maybe you need to rely on with community. Maybe you read your book. Maybe you need to meditate, but get yourself back to center. So our last inquiry for today What deeper connections, community, beliefs, values, framework, whatever it is, what is your light that you can recognize now and know that you can always turn to it? And hold that very dear. Maybe even write it on like an SOS, like a break this glass, you know, sort of emergency that you, it's always there for you. And for me, and I hope for you, meditation is one of those tools that is a space we come to during challenge where we get reacquainted with our true selves, where we hold space for imperfection, where we find the compassion to keep doing the work of growth with honesty and authenticity. And we get drawn as we look inward into actually something that's well beyond us and shows us something bigger than our own personal suffering and storylines. So let's do a short meditation now to help anchor this conversation. Finding your posture, whatever is appropriate for you in this circumstance, seated or standing or lying down and just as you're ready, releasing the external interest and engagement and coming to the internal. And we do that by following the breath. So on every inhale, feeling yourself drawn into your center, your being, your experience of you. 
And every exhale, releasing the cords, the energy, the entanglements we have to the circumstances around us, the people, the places, the politics, just feel all those tentacles of energy coming home to you, cutting the cords. We don't need to live out there. So let the inhales draw you home, draw your energy home, draw your space back to center awareness. This is where life is. This is where we learn. So every inhale coming in lower, every exhale expanding deeper and finding that center point within you wherever it can rest to say, I'm, I'm home now, I'm here. And as we hold this center point, you might notice your body is holding tension, defensiveness, aggression, however you respond to challenge, feel how your body's holding that. And on the exhales, give it permission to come into this moment with the breath and let go of whatever it's holding. Let the hands let go, the arms let go, face let go throat, shoulders, or back. Allow the back body to just be breathed, to move and let go of resistance, tension, tightness from the lower tailbone all the way up to the crown, the whole spine lengthening and the flesh around the spine, finding more ease. And the heart and the chest can open and be breathed, not bracing against pain, but opening to life. Allow the belly to let go. The hips spreading and relaxing. The legs let go. The knees, the lower legs, and the feet. Whole body relax and release. Being breathed, finding yourself back home in the experience of your being. And as you're anchored in breath, feeling body just kind of floating and releasing around you, you might notice the thoughts that have been present for you. And then the behaviors, seeing if we can't witness those objectively, without valuing our worth on them, but noticing thoughts that may have reflected your strain, behaviors that are from a shadow place, an unhealed place, not a bad place, but a primitive, reactive survival place that you don't need to live from. We're not blaming ourselves or regretting our thoughts or behavior. We're just saying, oh, I see that. That came from a place of pain or fear or grief or just fatigue. And with that witness of some lower level aspects of ourselves, we come into the heart to feel what they're connected to. What pain, what insult, what injury. Again, not to fix them or judge them or make sense of them, but to feel compassion and say, I understand. I understand where this comes from. And let's heal that now. 
let's move beyond that now. Not because it's wrong or we did wrong, but because here we are now, we can love ourselves better. We know better now. Offer yourself compassion and ask yourself, well, what is it you need? What is this stress, this strain showing you? Is something you need? And it's not for a change in circumstance. It's for something we offer ourselves, how we love ourselves better. What is that for you? How can you love yourself more fiercely, productively, currently? Maybe it's just a seeing. Maybe it's permission to do or not do something, to be or not be something. And as you come into the heart and you let the heart speak, you let anything be okay in that space, you might feel how it softens and opens and maybe whatever's going on around you doesn't hurt so bad anymore within you because it's not held tight by the past, by fear. And as the heart opens, as the body softens, we can go deeper into a space that's connected to all from where we came to where we're going, wherever that is, opening into the vastness and space within us that's beyond these circumstance, our human reactions to them. It's bigger than the challenges of these moments and can give us a reason to believe that there's something bigger worth continuing to breathe, to love, to fight, to soften into. So let yourself just completely open the vast connection, connectedness, spaciousness within you and feel its love for you, its messages for you. How much greater, stronger, and more important that is than anything in the practical world around you. And this connects you to the larger light. It connects you to your larger self and it gives you a reason to keep going. I'll close with one of my favorite readings by Albert Camus who says, in the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. And that makes me happy for it says that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me, there's something stronger, something better, pushing right back. Thank you for coming together this week. I will see you at some point. <laughs> In the meantime, be uptight well. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by clicking the like and subscribe buttons. 
and why not share it with someone else who might connect with it? I'll see you next time. In the meantime, be uptight well. <laughs>